Okay, so I just got done listening to the first ever, like, episode, is what you would call it, of um, the Chatty Cathy podcast that I recorded earlier. I'm so excited to be doing this that I'm probably... Oh my gosh, it was like less than three hours ago. I had to go take pictures um, and help my sister because she was at prom. Uh, and so I took a break and did that. It was interesting. Um, don't feel like going over what that entire scenario was for me. And here's the thing is um, I I don't really know what to do now because I, I honestly, I did not listen uh, to the episode that I like was recording a couple hours ago. I did not listen to it all the way through. It was like 76 minutes and I didn't want to listen to it all the way through. And I don't know who would want to listen to it all the way through. Cause if I can't even listen to myself, then who would want to listen to me for 76 minutes straight? I don't know if I'll ever end up putting it out anywhere. It's definitely like ready. Um, and I'm proud of myself for starting somewhere. Like that's, that's like for me, it is so difficult to start things. And so the fact that I even tried and attempted, I'm so proud of myself for that. And I, um, like, I think it's important to give myself credit where credit is due. Um, typically, I would not even make it anywhere close to that stage. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself credit for the fact that yes, like I I did that. Um, I recorded and it was so scatterbrained, but I'm not surprised at all. Like that is the epitome of who I am as a person. I'm just I'm all over the place. I was listening and I realized, oh my goodness, I did not finish. Well, I got to a point where I literally didn't finish an entire thought. I was like, hmm, I definitely never went back to that. So I, I'm going to give this another try. I don't think that that first one that I recorded will ever make it anywhere, um, which I, part of me feels like now I need to explain everything that I talked about in the first, you know, episode is what we'll call it. But I also, I think that like, this is literally just going to be a trial and error process. I think I've realized that one of the themes of my own life is that everything is just a trial and error process. Honestly, I don't think that's only um, applicable for me in my life. I think that everyone can understand that um, in some way or another. But yeah, I just, I think that it would be beneficial for me to give this another go. I, it's hard because the last episode, like the first episode that I did that you, I guess, yeah, it's weird to call it an episode, but I guess that's like what it is if I'm trying to start a podcast. So, um, the first episode that I did again, super duper scattered, uh, no real like guidance or direction there. And it's difficult because I think that like what I want to do with this podcast, um, calling it chatty Kathy is meant to leave the, um, like variety of topics and honestly like the way that I go about it it's meant to leave like a door wide open it's not meant to like pigeonhole me into, into any one category um I have a lot of topics that I want to talk about and the bigger issue is I just don't know if I have the capacity to, to focus on them um like on an episode to episode basis I think that that's how most podcasters go about doing it so part of me is like oh you should at least follow that mold because it has a sense of structure to it and will make it easier for like any possible audience to follow but at the same time I'm like I, I I do plan on doing this in just like one take you know obviously if I'm being interrupted then I'll do a couple or not like different takes but I will be doing like different sections whatever I don't want to have to edit anything together so my hope is that I can just hit a pause button and be like hey I'm back or whatever um that's super relevant to you you probably don't care I'm just talking through my process but I, I want to keep it super natural. I want it to be, um, 
like this is for me it's not for anyone else and so if I were to be super concerned with um like making sure that the content is mm, making sure that it's like kind of formulaic I guess you could say um I even talked about this like last time which again I don't think I'll ever put that on anywhere maybe I will but um I oh last time I mentioned that I don't really ever want to have to write like an outline for anything I don't really ever have to want um I don't really ever want to be the person that has like a script I I definitely (laughs) do not have the capacity to have a script in the first place but I also don't really want to I, I just don't like the idea of having to have, like, an outline. But, in all honesty, people typically do have outlines for podcasts. I mean, I don't know. I haven't done my research. I would imagine they probably typically have outlines for podcasts. And there's probably a great reason for that. It's probably that it offers some structure and helps you to lay out, like, the timing of everything. Whereas, for me, I'm just such a spontaneous person. Planning, honestly, like, overwhelms me really badly. And, uh... I don't know I just become a little bit too meticulous about everything and so it, it can I can become very like strict um and hard on myself it's like I, I have two two modes there's the mode that's like completely spontaneous and everything that I'm doing and saying and thinking is um just like on a whim and I'm just going with it like it's like I've tossed something into the wind and it's just going where it's gonna go or it's the very strategic very well planned out like I've been working on it for days weeks months who knows um but like there's been a lot of thought and effort and uh, honestly like I think that that's kind of a reflection of my perfectionistic tendencies um and so for me it's like there's really no in between I've been kind of realizing that I am a very all or nothing person and so for me it's like it's it's kind of sad because I think that some of my friends have realized it too like you can, you know, be like, hey, do you want to hang out right now? And I'll be like, yeah, for sure. Like, let's go do it. But if you're like, um, hey, do you want to hang out like next week? I'm like, oh, uh, why are you asking me about my life a week in advance? Like, huh, that's that's like way too much for me. Either A, because it's um, not close enough or B, because it's not far away enough. Like for me, I feel like if there's if there's if you want to do something big, we either have to plan it in advance like probably a couple of weeks in advance or you literally have to say just that day like are you free I can't I'm not very good at um scheduling my life like a a a reasonable amount of time in advance is essentially what I'm trying to say so um anywho and that like applies to the fact that I just don't know if I should have a sense of structure to this um because I feel like if I were to challenge myself to have some structure to it I would end up basically writing a script and that's not what I want to do at all I mean I could like theoretically you're like well why can you not just have some bullet points you would think that I'd be able to have bullet points but the second that I have bullet points all of a sudden like the conversation isn't going to flow as naturally and I'm not gonna I'm gonna feel like I have to have like a billion different bullet points that way I can make sure that I get in what I want like what I want to get in I think maybe the best structure that I might be able to provide for myself is literally just having a list of different topics that I might want to talk about one day. Um, but <laughs> for now, I, uh, I don't really know which direction to go because there's like, all of a sudden there's all this pressure that like, okay, that first episode that you tried last time was not it. Like, I, I think that some people would find it entertaining. Most people would find it overwhelming. Most people would find like be disinterested because it's just so scattered and there is no structure to it. So part of me is like, I just need to pick a topic right now and I can delve into it. So, um, oh man, I, 
I am so stuck, like, uh, sorry to be verbalizing, like, my own inner turmoil. Obviously, it's probably like, oh, well, you should have thought about this before you, like, decided to press record and everything. But I also feel like it's, you know, um, if I'm working towards, like, being uh, authentic with everything, I'm like, well, why don't you just hit record, like, talk through the process and inspiration will strike as you're talking. Because otherwise, again, like, I just, I get paralyzed. There's this sense of paralysis um, when it comes to decision making for me, when it comes to doing things and whatnot. And I don't know. I just think that if if you don't turn on the mic, if you aren't hitting the record button, then you're never going to get to a point where you feel comfortable doing it. So hit it. Um, It's almost like it kind of reminds me of this saying that my dad told me growing up whenever I like had a hard time going to school. He'd be like, the hardest part is showing up. So the hardest part is getting started. I did a we'll just call it a practice episode last couple hours ago and like I said didn't go well now I'm here uh the hardest part is starting and I've hit record I've been talking for nine minutes now and I still don't know what I'm going to talk about but I think that deep down I know exactly what I want to talk about I'm hesitant to talk about it because I think oh gosh there's just there's so much room for error kind of um But I'm the type of person where I have learned to lean into my fear because I, I feel like it's more rewarding when I do that. And it's not like, it's not like talking about the subject that I want to talk about is, it's, it isn't like scary necessarily. I just am, um, I don't know. I'm a little bit like on edge, uh, and just, I'm not sure if it's a good idea to talk about it or not, but I'm going to just because it's the thing that I've been hyper fixated on recently. And honestly, when I say recently, I mean for probably, I mean definitely like like tunnel vision, just so fascinated by it for at least the last month. But I've been researching this topic for probably a year and a half now. Um, but yeah, so I think that this is going to be, uh, maybe this won't be the first episode. Who knows? Again, this is just for me just like an outlet for myself. Um, and I think that the first thing that I want to talk about, and I'm going to try to give myself a limit of an hour. So, so far I've had like a 10 minute introduction and, um, that means I have about 50 minutes to talk about what I want to talk about. And I, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit everything into that 50 minutes because I, well, okay, let me just, (laughs) let me just spill the beans, right? Like, so this, the, what I want to talk about is ADHD. Uh, Sometimes when I use the word ADHD, I, like, feel something cold running through my veins. Like, as if um, it's some sort of word that I'm not allowed to be using. I think that there is so much to talk about with ADHD. And I, uh, maybe this would be a good point to have an outline because my thoughts would flow in, like, a more sequential order. But um, that's okay. Like, this does not have to be structured it can literally just flow as if I'm having a normal conversation with you. Um, and honestly, like, I'm just having a conversation with myself as it is anyway. So, basically, um, ADHD. That's what I want to talk about. And there are so many reasons that I want to talk about it, which is why I'm like, ugh, I just could never fit everything into 50 minutes. I would not be surprised if a large portion, maybe not a large portion, but a good portion of what I do end up talking about has to do with ADHD or other um, mental disorders, maybe mental illnesses, but 
I think that it would be a good idea for me to talk about that for the first episode because it's just something that I'm super knowledgeable on and I am currently pursuing a diagnosis, which means, well, hmm, I am going, uh, I, I'm kind of in between diagnoses at this point, actually. So, to, mm, how do I put this? And when I say how do I put this, I'm, I probably don't have any concerns about how I would actually put it. I'm just trying to figure out which order I should tell the story in. So, um, I think that the first thing that I want to say is that just a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, probably a little bit less than that, I did take the DSM, uh, five is what they're on like nowadays. The DSM five, it's a diagnostics test for maybe, hold on. That's something that I can look up. Cause I feel like that would be, uh, beneficial for us to know what the DSM stands for. So let me look and see what that stands for. I know that it's diagnostic something, but I took the DSM test and the DSM stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Oh, and then of Mental Disorders. So they're on the fifth edition right now. Um, I took a DSM-5 test uh, with my uh, therapist. I took it with her. I told her, like, she had asked me to take a couple of, uh, free online tests just to, like, see what those were saying, and a bunch of those were, like, saying, oh, like, ADHD is likely, uh, and I have known about ADHD for about a month, or a year and a half now, so it's been something, like, on my radar. Well, I've known about ADHD my whole life, honestly. Maybe my whole life. I've known, I've known about ADHD much longer than just a year and a half, but I began to really understand what ADHD is and what it can mean in someone's life. Uh, a year and a half ago. And um, it sucks because ADHD has, mm, it's like become a trend. And I think that that is something that, like that's literally the reason that I have such a hesitation in talking about ADHD in the first place is because I think that it's like a taboo subject that's been made into a trend. And that is so frustrating. I mean, I just, oh, I don't know. I have so, again, so much that I could say about ADHD. Like, right now I have this internal conflict of, like, do I tell the story of, like, how I've witnessed it? Or do I tell, like, my perception of how the trend has really, like, negatively affected it? And also, like, my own theories about, like, what ADHD really is in this generation. Do I talk about what I know about ADHD and, like, the symptoms and how it presents itself? Like, I have become so knowledgeable and understanding of what this is because I've been doing so much research but because I've been doing so much research I don't even know where to start I think that I'll just go back to saying what I was saying and I will talk about how um like what what my the process has been for me so far and so um talked with my therapist we took the DSM together I told her explicitly I was like the hardest thing for me in taking those free online tests was the fact that I like a big part of my life has become, and I hate the term too, this is a term that I also dislike, masking. Like, masking is when you basically are covering up the symptoms that you have of, like, either a mental illness or a mental disorder, right? And you are, you are, uh, consciously or unconsciously, honestly, maybe you're, like, maybe it's not even happening consciously, I don't know, um, but you are manipulating your own behaviors and, um, like, actions to be more neurotypical and it's honestly like a coping mechanism it's meant to help you get through uh like in a world that's built for neurotypical people it's almost like it's not a choice it's like it it doesn't feel like a choice to not mask and so 
I told my therapist, I said, I just notice a lot of like masking behaviors for me. And so it's just hard when these tests, these tests are not designed to take into consideration masking. And that was really frustrating for me because I'm like, okay, um, like I'm trying to think of a good example. Part of me wants to go back on and you know what? I'm going to put the, I am going to put this on pause really quick and just look up, um, just go grab a sheet of paper really quick that has some pretty important questions on it. So give me one second and I will be right back. Okay, so I'm back. I grabbed and let me, oh shoot. Okay, <laughs> I printed it out, but I um, I thought I was going to be able to tell you what my source is. I'm pretty sure that it came from um, ADDitude, which is pronounced attitude. And it was, it's like all of the tests that I was taking online, all of the free tests were pretty much just like variations of each other. Um, really quick, quick shout out to mini ADHD coaches, I think what it was um, called. If I do publish this anywhere, I'm going to try to leave this test um, in you in the description below. But I like want to link it and I want to make it available um, because I really like that test. It is by someone who has ADHD herself. Um, she makes a lot of like educational videos about awareness for it on YouTube, and that's how like I first um, like got exposed to her content. And then she had her own ADHD test and she like makes the disclaimer that like she is not a psychologist she's not a doctor like it's not entirely valid but it is inspired by um like the actual test and the thing that I love is that it takes masking into account none of the other tests took masking into account and so I'm gonna read um what this one test said and again they were all just different variations of each other that was the only one that took masking into account um because and you'll listen to the different questions but what you'll notice is that it says do you do this and there's no like there's no like gray area it's like you either do this or you don't whereas the mini ADHD coach um she has like a self-evaluation test and whatnot for ADHD and the cool thing is is that it takes into consideration do you feel an urge or an impulse to do this which for me as someone who does feel like I've been manipulating my own behaviors and mannerisms to adapt to the world around me um just to like try to make my own life easier and to get through I really appreciated that she was acknowledging that just because you don't do these things doesn't mean that there is something in you that uh, makes you want to act this way um so anywho and who knows maybe some people would say that if you are able to deny the urge to do it like you don't have it or whatever but in my opinion, like that 100% can interfere with day-to-day -day life just because you're so um, like aware of every move that you make and it puts you on edge because you're so concerned about doing something that's like societally abnormal and um, like that in and of itself can be a disorder. Or, well, I'm not saying that masking is a disorder. I'm just saying that like that in and of itself is dysfunctional and is probably affecting your quality of life and so I don't know I, that's just like a point that I'm making about masking but anyway I want to go to this test um so I'm gonna read it there's part a and part b I'm nearly certain that one of them is more like hyperactive traits and then the other one is more um inattentive traits uh and I'm just gonna read what the top says so this top says um please insert the questions below rating yourself on each criteria shown using the scale on the right side of the page by the way the scale says never rarely sometimes often very often as you answer each question please place an x in the box that best describes how you have felt and conducted yourself over the past six months that's important it has to be relevant and then it says please give a completed checklist or this completed 
checklist to your healthcare professional to discuss during today's appointment. So, uh, yeah, again, I don't, I can't remember where I got this, but anywho, so I did take this, um, and here was question number one. Question number one of part A says, how often do you have trouble wrapping up final details of projects once the challenging parts have been done? Oh my gosh, this one hit me like a bus. Um, I, it's interesting because before I even like understood and by the way that would be called that's something that in ADHD you would um most people would label it as being executive dysfunction executive dysfunction I went over this in my last episode um but I uh again don't know if I plan on publishing it or not um executive dysfunction well one it's like dysfunctional and two is executive means your ability to execute something or like do something uh I don't necessarily I don't think that for me personally I would qualify as being like the ability to get motivated the word motivation and ADHD is like a major um like ugh, that's just like a tough subject to talk about because a lot of people think that ADHD is just lacking motivation I would argue that you have the motivation you just do not have the legitimate chemical ability to accomplish what you want to accomplish it's not to say that you don't have the passion it's not to, you literally could have the passion, you could have the drive, you can have the capability, you just do not have the ability to accomplish this task. So, that's why um, question number one hit me like a bus is because, oh, well, hold on, I never finished my thought. <laughs> I, um, before I even knew about executive dysfunction being involved with ADHD, I, like, I started journal, I've been journaling for as long as I can remember, like, I literally wrote an essay uh, trying to get into college regarding, like, my love and enjoyment of journaling I started a journal club like it is like journaling is like my thing but ironically enough I have been journaling since first grade I have never finished a journal up until this past year um in 2022 I made it a goal of mine to finish a journal and I not only finished one I think I finished six so I had six journals that I accomplished in the year of 2022 it's currently 2023 and I think I've accomplished I'm about to go um onto my fourth one so I have about my next journal is going to be number 10. So super exciting um, that I can say that I finished a journal now. But f- like when I came up with the, it was like a New Year's resolution. I didn't make it on New Year's. I actually made it on January 5th. I was like, I've written in my journal every day this year. Why don't I just keep this going? And I thought to myself, I was like, I've never finished anything. Like I've finished school projects, theoretically, like, yes, I have finished school projects, or, like, if there has been, it's always that there has to be a time crunch, like, if there is, if, if my, um, great, I mean, it feels like my life depends on it, for real, like, I feel like the only way that I get something done is if I have some sort of external force driving me to get it done, some sort of pressure, some sort of challenge that I'm, like, trying to meet, but if it requires me to motivate myself, (laughs) girl, I do not think that it's getting done. And so I was super proud of myself when I finished my first journal. And it was because I had never finished anything um, before. Like I, oh my gosh, I have, there are so many things that I haven't finished. And I don't even care to go through the whole list right now. I could probably fill up an entire hour of like projects that I've embarked on and haven't finished or like just, it's, it's really sad, honestly, super duper sad. And the thing that also really stood out to me in this question um, is that it says, So obviously it's talking about like wrapping up a project, but then it includes the fact that this is after the challenging parts have been done. Oh my goodness. After the challenging parts have been done? Like, yes, that's when it's the most difficult. Like for me, oh my goodness. Sorry, I got to take a breath. But like, I love a challenge. I think that like 
challenges drive me um and I think that like as humans we all of us are probably driven by challenges but like I love challenges I embrace them I feel like they just they um keep me going in like a very uh I don't know like it's it's like it's funny because I, I want to say that it's very rewarding but the funniest thing about like the, my love for challenges is that m- a good portion of the time I don't even like reap the rewards of my of, like what I'm working on right um and so that was what was really interesting for me is I'm like yeah like honestly <laughs> and even when I do finish a project um I can think of a couple of different like essays that I had to write in college and it was always like well first of all it took me forever to finally get started on it then when I only had a day left to do it I would sit down grind it out I would be like so so good all the way up until like the concluding paragraph and when it came to that concluding paragraph it just felt like complete bs I feel like papers are like my best um my best what would like evidence to my claim that I have a hard time after the challenging parts have been done like literally the easiest part <laughs> the easiest part of writing an essay should theoretically be the conclusion because you have all of the stuff that you've talked about right behind you now all you got to do is wrap it up conclusions absolutely suck for me um I just it just doesn't work for me very well at all so th- that's like exhibit a of what I'm saying in terms of my answer for that question. I'm not really going to explain what I ended up saying for those because I just don't feel like that needs to be put out there. But basically, um, that's executive dysfunction is just not being able to, like you're able to, well, one, it's not being able to motivate to do it. And two, it's once you've gotten done with all the challenging parts, all of a sudden you just can't wrap it up uh, because there's no like reward anymore. You would think that you know, finishing would be the reward, but because you've gotten all the, like, the hard stuff out of the way, finishing the easy thing, it does not feel like a reward at all. Um, at least, you know, that's pretty much how my brain processes it, processes it. So, the next question is, how often do you have difficulty getting things in order when you have to do a task that requires organization? This also hit me like a ton of bricks, um, because this is something that, like, you don't really, I don't know, it's it's just so odd to pursue an ADHD diagnosis and have people put words to the way that your mind works. Like, I have never been the type of person to think about, like, the way that my brain works. I've thought so much about my emotions and about, like, the way that my heart works, but it's, I don't, I don't really think about my brain. And, you know, obviously I know that, like, your brain is controlling your emotions, so thinking about emotions is thinking about your brain, but, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to say that, like, I have really thought about myself from a an emotional standpoint and like a mental and emotional standpoint I have not taken time to step back and think about like logistically how does my brain work um and so it's interesting when you like finally do start really becoming aware of like the way that you do function as a human being and like thinking about the fact that like oh like maybe this is like a unique experience, but it's also a shared experience and it's called being neurodivergent, like super duper odd to think about that. And so when you read this, this test and all of a sudden it's asking you if you have difficulty, like essentially it's asking if you have difficulty getting your priorities straight, right? Especially like when it comes to working on a project, on a task. And I'm like, whoo, just like at me next time, because for real, like I, another, like a good example of this is, um, Hmm. I, uh, what is a good example of this? Well, okay. I, I know exactly what the example is. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out like the specific one that I want to talk about, but I don't need to talk about a specific one because it's played itself over and over again in my life. And it is 
exactly this. Whenever I have had a school presentation, I love school presentations, just to let you know, especially um, like PowerPoint presentations or like slideshows because they're like super accessible for me. Um, and I just, I really enjoy them. And I've always been really successful at school presentations. Like that's just something that like I, I love presenting to a class. But um, it's so funny because for me, the worst part about giving a, like a school presentation, uh, and I'm just using school as an example, like the worst part about giving a presentation is finding out the material to put on my presentation. Um, <laughs> like I, that is just so challenging for me. It's so hard to fill up the slides. You know, what's really easy for me is well, a presenting the information. Like literally I could present, I could present a presentation that doesn't have any information on it and make like n never you would never doubt that there like weren't any words on my presentation you would like it would just flow that naturally like not to sound like braggadocious or anything but for real like that's just the way that I work and so here's the here's the kicker though right like I have loved presentations because I love the aesthetics of them something about putting together a presentation and like making sure that all the pictures fit together right and like styling the fonts and working to make sure that like everything fits together and is visually appealing I love that and so in every like in almost all of my school projects I would spend more time working on the actual like design and layout of slideshow presentation I'm just doing slideshow presentations by the way that's what I'm thinking um I would spend more time working on that than I would uh like doing actual research and that like to me is just such a great example of not being able to put your priorities straight um and having a difficult time like getting things together when, when a task requires organization because guess what doing the research that requires organization you need to have and like literally what was i saying at the very beginning of this video like organizing is well hold on there's like different types of organizing right and so i'm talking about like from a um like sequential or uh like Ca no categorical or organizing I'm pretty dang good at but like you get what I'm saying right where it's like putting together information and being able to work through it um like that is so hard uh oh my gosh it's actually stressing me out just thinking about it um but like what's super easy for me to like again like organize maybe might be the word that I'm using it's super easy for me to organize like the visual elements of a presentation and guess what matters most in a presentation people the facts and statistics and research and what you're putting on it from like a word um and logistical standpoint I personally like love when um something is visually stimulating like oh my gosh I have considered going into graphic design so many times because it's just I love it um or like interior design anything that has to do with interior or like design in general oh my gosh that is my cup of tea but of course, when you're giving a school presentation, you are not getting, well, I mean, I'm sure that there's like the little, like, you know, you get three points for the way that it looks, but the entire project is 20 points and the rest of the 17 points are about your content, right? And so it's like, I always had those three points nailed, you know, but the rest of it is up in the air because I'm so bad at executing, um, like from a content standpoint. And so again, this one just really called, called me out, um, Again, it was, how often do you have difficulty getting things in order when you have to do a task that requires organization? So, again, I, like, spend a majority of the time laying out my presentation. And then the last, like, let's, I would say it's probably, like, a two-to-one ratio in terms of time spent, like, working on the visual elements of it versus working on, like, the gathering facts. And I just think that that, like, I don't know. I, I feel like that, for me, is my evidence that that is something that I struggle with. Next one is how often do you have problems remembering appointments or obligations? 
this is one where it would be so beneficial for them to say, or you feel like you have to try really, really hard in order to be able to remember an appointment or an obligation, right? So for me, the way that I work is I either, um, I, I either have like an appointment and it's, I like drill into my brain and I'm like, do not forget this date. Do not forget this date. And even sometimes then, like, it's so funny. I'll spend the entire week trying to remember the day. Like, like, like for example, let's just say, um, like with my sister's prom, for example, right? Like I mean, this did not happen, but like, cause it's not just like, it's not on my radar that much, but I could spend the entire week reciting to myself. You have, uh, your sister's prom is happening on Friday, right? Like every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm saying like you have prom, your sister's prom is coming up, right? And then the day of, it'll just leave my mind. Or like it's, you know, I've been fortunate that like I have drilled into my head enough that there's no way that I'm forgetting. All I have to do is look at a calendar and say, oh, today's the like 21st or whatever. My sister's prom is today. Cool. Because I've drilled it into my head that you have something going on on the 21st. So that's like, and like that, that could be considered masking. That's something that I've, I've like had to work on really hard. So that way I don't miss appointments or obligations. But keep in mind as a child, and by the way, I totally forgot to mention this. This is the adult ADHD self-report scale. That's what this is called. It's called the symptom, uh, the ASRS V1.1 is what it says at the top and symptom checklist. So keep in mind that this is for adults. I have only recently started adulting within like the past. Well, I mean, you know, I, it's not to say that I had like wasn't taking care of myself before, but like actually adulting, you know, stepping over that threshold from 17 to 18, like you are legally an adult. That has only happened for me in the past two years, let's call it. Right. And so I haven't really had much of an opportunity to like experiment with how good I am at keeping track of um appointments or obligations right like social stuff Ugh, I don't know it's it's super hard I also think it's difficult for me right now because my schedule is not very busy um and so like it's a little bit more difficult for me to measure that it like doesn't consider your circumstances very much but that's off topic all I'm trying to say is that for me I feel like the way that I have coped with um helping myself to remember appointments and obligations is I just mark it in the calendar and this does this question does not take into consideration that like I would forget it if I didn't mark it in my calendar like I used to be such a planner person oh my goodness in school like when I had to be responsible for my assignments and I was involved in so much and I'd have to keep track of the dates um well one a lot of the time <laughs> a lot of the time my peers would just help me remember and like would help me um like it's it's called uh, well no this isn't quite like body doubling or whatever but body doubling is basically when you have like a partner kind of like helping to hold you accountable on some stuff like this oftentimes like it can help you to get like your work done get a task finished um in school I feel like it was super helpful for me to do uh to help me get homework done even then got super distracted but like at least I was sitting down with the work in front of me whereas like if I wouldn't have been body body doubling um with someone else like doing the work with me it probably wasn't getting done um, until the last minute. So anywho, all of that to say, that, like the way that I've worked is like people around me will like help me remind me of obligations and appointments and whatever. And so I haven't really had the chance to be an adult. Um, also totally like outing myself right now, but that's okay. Like I'm just looking to be open. My mom has also been still pretty involved in my life as an adult. And so she really does help me to like, um, well, hold on. That's more on like a scheduling standpoint, I guess. She really helps to schedule appointments and whatnot and like remind me like hey you have this appointment going on 
but it would be really interesting to see what my life would be like without um, the help of my mom or the help of my friends, like holding me accountable essentially and like being my um, human reminders that something is going on. So with this one, um, my answer on this one was iffy. Again, don't have to give it, but this was one of those questions that was a little bit difficult uh, for me to answer. So next one is when you have a task that requires a lot of thought, how often do you avoid or delay getting started? This is a tricky question because to me, a task that requires a lot of thought also is a challenge, right? And um, like I said, like I love challenges. I welcome them. But that does not mean that it's easy for me to get started on it. And that's almost something that I alluded to earlier when I was like, you know, like once I finally work up the courage, it feels <laughs> it literally feels like I have to work up the courage to do some of these things. And again, like I'm just going to use the example of an essay like I could know and I know that this is a generally like shared human experience, like procrastination. But I just I don't know a life that is not procrastination. I feel like that's an interesting thing. Um, I'm not going to go into that too, too much, but that is something that I realized about myself is like, uh, the only way, <laughs> actually, that's not even true. I was going to say the only way that I don't procrastinate is if I tell myself that something is due on a different date than it is, but guess who's really good at remembering that the date that I put in my calendar saying that this was due is actually due two days later. Like, I am so good at that. I'm like, you know what? Like, it says here that it's due on Wednesday, but I know damn well that that actually means that it's due on Friday. So guess what? Your girl's gonna wait until Friday to do it. But, anywho, I was explaining this a little bit earlier that, like, it just takes a lot for me to, um, kind of, like, get over, get over the hump and get started on it. Um, and I feel like, oh my gosh, at the very beginning, I was literally going over this. I was like, um, it's the hardest part is like starting, you know? And so how often do you avoid or, oh my gosh, let me speak, avoid or delay getting started? Mm, uh, yeah, that's a tricky question. You, you just kind of have to look at it like from a broad standpoint. Um, basically like the way that I took that question was in comparison to other people, uh, do you notice yourself not being able to start a task that theoretically should be easy to start that's for me that's how I had to look at it um and when when I look at it that way I'm like hmm, yep that that speaks to me uh in like seven different languages let's be honest here so anywho um then the next question is how often do you fidget or squirm with your hands or feet when you have to sit down for a long time this one was the one that really like I felt very seen um I think a lot of them, like I was saying, like, it's cool to have people put words to the way that, like, you behave, the way that your brain works. Um, I think that the, oh, I feel like I never finished that thought earlier. It can be difficult when, like, the way that you would describe it isn't quite the way that uh, the test is describing it. But regardless, like, if, if you really are, like, considering what is the purpose and intention behind asking this question, you'll realize, like, oh, yeah, we're on the same page, right? But... Anywho, this one, um, this one was really, like, for me, uh, first of all, I've never considered what I do to be fidgeting or squirming, but on a couple of, um, different tests that I was taking, it described it as being restless, which is a really, like, that is, like, the perfect word to describe how I am, um, when, what is it, when you have to sit down, yes, when you have to sit down, oh my gosh, stop making me fucking sit in a seat for so long, people, like, oh, and it's, it's actually kind of sad, because 
throughout elementary, middle school, and then especially high school. Like, I feel like in elementary school, it's normal to, like, not have the attention span, like, to be able to sit in a seat. Um, like, middle school, I don't remember what my thoughts were in middle school. I'm, yeah, I remember being very un- restless in my seat in middle school. But then when I got to high school, I remember that I was just, like, so aware of the fact that I was the only person shifting around in my seat, like every couple minutes and it made me it honestly like whenever I would become aware of it like I became self-conscious about it not in the sense of like I was worried that other people were like oh why is she like squirming in her seat so much like it was more so like the fact that I was like I I kind of felt like I just couldn't get comfortable is really like how I would describe it and I have like just like everyone does but like issues with the way that I look and it is like it's just really sad because um when I noticed that I was having a hard time like sitting still in my seat and everyone else around me like didn't seem to be having an issue with it again like once I got to high school um like the thing that I immediately thought was like oh like I'm just like bigger so I'm not comfortable in these chairs like that's why I'm squirming around is because I just I don't like I'm not the same like portion sizes as everyone else like everyone else around me is just small enough to be like comfortable in these chairs and like for me I'm just not and so I like told myself um like the only like thing that made sense to me was just like you don't fit in this chair properly and that like that's really um hard to have to think that way uh and it's also like probably not true like I definitely see that like I I am not like the normal size of a woman Um, like, my age or whatever, like, especially in high school, but to kind of, like, have a reason that, like, I was always restless in my chair that wasn't, like, oh, you're too big, like, to realize, like, maybe my brain just isn't allowing me to, like, feel, um, like, to rest in this seat without squirming around, to have an answer that was, like, more mental as opposed to physical, that, like, that has been really, um, that's been crazy for me crazy for me to like have my entire mindset about like why I squirm reevaluated and to realize like girl like it doesn't have anything to do with the way that you look it just has to do with the way that your brain works um so that's been it was interesting to see that and like I've okay here's another thing like I've always been a nail biter my like so many people around me say that's anxiety but like I don't bite my nails when I'm anxious like a lot of the time I just bite my nails when I'm bored and it's so embarrassing because my nails look so ugly my hands look so ugly sorry I don't I don't mean to say that like if you're a nail biter I I don't think that your nails look ugly I'm just being like self-critical right and so I'm like my nails look so ugly like I look like I have baby hands you know my hands are bleeding and it's so embarrassing and I feel like I don't have the control so like sometimes like I'm biting my nails in front of friends and like there's like that's like not socially acceptable and so to kind of like have an answer for why I'm doing that that again is like not necessarily that I am like a gross person it's just the fact that like this is the way that my brain is working it was very validating um and like it helped me to like take some blame off of myself and to feel like it's helped me to like given oh my gosh I'm still struggling in so many different areas but like that is one area that I feel like has really helped me to um like find some peace and understanding of like who I am without like tormenting myself and being upset with the fact that I am that way so that's a big one um 
Huh, yes. Okay. Uh, next one. Number six. How often do you feel overly active or compelled to do things like you were driven by a motor? So this question was really tricky for me because how it's like, it kind of feels like two questions. Um, that's like the way that I analyzed it was there's one question, which is how often do you feel overly active and compelled to do things? And then the next question was, do you feel like you're driven by a motor? Like that's kind of how I internalized it. And, um, I have been a busybody, but I don't think that the reason I've been a busybody has to do with like the way that my brain is working. I think that that was like for, um, and this is like a whole different topic, but like for more prideful reasons and just like wanting to be the person that always has something going on. And like, people are like, oh my gosh, like she's so busy. Like she really has it going on. You know what I'm saying? So in terms of like being a very busy and active person, like that kind of felt like more of a choice, but, um, for me, like the entire driven by a motor, that is when I'm like, yes, I do feel driven by a motor, but it's not so much in like a physical, like action kind of way. Um, I definitely like notice it like from time to time for sure, but I don't think that like, I feel like I'm driven by a motor constantly. It's more so like internal, I would say from a thought perspective, like it feels like a lot of the time, especially when I'm speaking, um, uh, which is why I can be so scatterbrained um, and like it can be kind of difficult to like follow the flow of my conversations um, is because like it does feel like there's like a motor taking over and that's like driving and that I don't necessarily have control of like what avenues I'm going down from a conversational standpoint. So that's kind of difficult. But um, I also think I I think that like I when I answered this question, I basically was like, I do feel overly active. I do feel compelled to do things 100%, but it's not physical. Like, I feel like it's not a very, okay, it is a physical expression, but it's much more a mental, like, kind of overdrive driven by a motor kind of thing, as opposed to a physical expression of it, which, um, just as, like, a little side note, I'm running out of time, and I'm kind of stressing out about it, so I'm just gonna not gonna, like, I'm just not gonna think about the time. This is interesting for me. I, again, like, I'm doing this for me. Let's be honest here. Like, if I'm not done in 14 minutes, that's totally okay. Like, I'm only on question number six, and I have 12 more to go, so if I don't get done with this by the one hour, like, my sincerest apologies, but also, like, again, like, this is for me, so I'm, I'm chilling with that, but back to what I was gonna say. Um, there's a lot of differences between, like, the way that females and males present with ADHD. Uh, I'm not even going to go into, like, what my experience of that has been just yet because uh, most it, most of the research that I've done has said, said that, like, the reason it can be difficult to identify in females is because they have, like, a generally inattentive, uh, like, form of ADHD. But for me, like, I definitely feel like I... Um, understand the uh like hyperactive side more but the interesting thing about the hyperactive i like adhd is that people forget that hyperactive adhd does not mean that you are you know jumping all over the place and like going crazy and like talking out of turn all the time and super like rambunctious and naughty like that is that is not what hyperactive means hyperactive can also be again like i'm describing for my situation the hyperactive can be a very mental issue. And a lot of the time, like in adults, you'll see that their hyperactivity um, compared to like when they were a child, it shifts from being a physical expression of hyperactivity to a more mental, which is why people with ADHD, especially like the hyperactive type, 
are more prone to anxiety because anxiety like is racing thoughts and if you have a hyperactive mind that's always like feeding you new thoughts then naturally it's going to like manifest into some sort of anxiety I mean that's just kind of like what my opinion is on it again all of this is just my opinion none of well some of it is scientifically like based like backed up but I can't like reference specific sources so I don't take anything um like don't take what I'm saying as being like the scientific truth just know that it's like my experience and like the way that I'm thinking about things so anywho um all that to say that yes I do feel like oh one more thing one more thing and sorry I sorry I have so much to talk about um the one last thing that I want to say in terms of being driven by a motor I also want to point out that that for me also has manifested in like like an emotional sense too um I don't know if on questions 7 through 18 it really, like, describes anything about, like, the emotional turbulence that, um, is common with ADHD. It's called emotional dysregulation, where you have a really hard time, uh, regulating your emotions. Uh, but, like, for me, I have just literally described, um, the way that my emotions work as feeling like I'm driven by a motor. Like, I don't feel like I have control over them a good portion of the time, um, like, I wish that I could, but the number of times that I've ended up crying in front of people that I do not want to be crying in front of, in, like, locations that I do not feel comfortable crying, but I cannot stop because it's, like, there's this motor running and it's, like, not allowing me to hold back the tears, or even, like, honestly, and this is going to sound kind of, like, invalidating in my own feelings, but, like, it could be something that's not that sad, and I just find myself crying about it, and it's so frustrating because women are labeled as being, like, overly emotional, And for me, I've always kind of, like, tried to not play into that, like, overly emotional, like, woman stereotype. And, like, that's, like, wrong in and of itself. Um, But it's so difficult for me when I'm, like, I literally do not have any ability to hold back my tears. Or another, like, uh, emotion that I can really, like, be um, turbulent with is anger. Like, the way that I handle my anger has changed drastically uh, throughout the years from, like, when I was young to, like, who I am now. But... Uh, it's, like, when I get angry, I get so angry, it's insane. Like, there, I I try not to get angry, I really do, but when I do get angry, holy cow, I need to, like, I shut down because I know that if I express my anger, I'm going to end, like, friendships and relationships. There have been a couple of times when I have expressed my anger, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad that they just had to witness that, but I feel like I have no control over it. Um, but typically, if I'm, like, have gotten very angry and I have the luxury of being able to do so I will just go to an entirely different space and there will like when I was younger I used to throw tissue boxes at walls like that's what I used to do I used to scream into my pillow throw tissue boxes at walls um don't know like what people will think of this but like there was literally a stash of like uh chipped plates and glasses and I would go down to this creek behind my house and just smash them like that's how, like I, I get angry I get super duper angry and I don't like to show it to people that's one of those things that I f- typically feel like I do have the luxury of being able to like retreat um when I can feel myself getting angry but again it's just like this emotional dysregulation I feel oh and happiness too like happiness is another one sorry like I'm ugh, going all over the place but like happiness is another one sometimes I feel like I cannot control my um like excitement and joy and you would think that like oh like what's wrong with that like don't you want to be happy uh yes I do until I'm acting completely like I gotta be careful with the terminology that I use here um because 
is probably not being used correctly so take this with a grain of salt but literally the way that I act when I get overly excited feels manic like I'm like super loud like bouncing all around the place like saying crazy things all of a sudden and I'm like oh my gosh get a grip like I don't even want to be acting this way it's kind of embarrassing for me but that's just like like it it feels like I get put into hyperdrive and like all of a sudden there's this motor that's taken over and is controlling my emotions I don't I don't know how to come down from them the only way to come down from them is to literally just forget and oftentimes like that's the way that my mind works is I I mean I definitely have the tendency to ruminate on something that's made me angry but like when it comes to sadness I can be crying one moment and then all of a sudden I'll like it's not like I forget what I'm crying about but it's like all of a sudden like my mind has just been distracted by something that's not sad anymore and so I'm not crying anymore. It's just, it's so odd. It's so, it's almost like there's like a switch that can be turned on and off um, for all of my emotions. It'd be interesting if there was like an inside out movie, like specifically about the way that my little inside out characters are working. Because for real, they um, feel like they have a lot of control, a lot more control than I would like for them to have. So anywho, um, that answer is number six. I literally took probably 10 minutes answering that one question. Okay. Um, hold on. (coughs) So sorry. My throat is getting dry because I've spoken for probably four hours in total today. Um, number seven is how often do you make careless mistakes when you have to work on boring or difficult projects? Uh, so (laughs) that, (laughs) again, something that like is very relatable for me and I didn't realize it. Uh, like right now I'm not in school. That's like a big, like, uh, that has been very impactful, I guess, like in, uh, had, hmm, how do, sorry, I say, how do I explain this all the time? But I'm just trying to figure out how to paint this picture in a way that it will make sense. Basically, having ADHD in a school setting, as compared to having it in a work setting, as compared to having it in a social setting, as compared to having it with just yourself, like behind closed doors, all of those different realms are going to be affected, but a lot of them time, like they're going to be affected differently. And so, like, for me, not being in school right now, hold on, what's the question? Okay, for me, not being in school right now, like, I don't, I have a lot of freedom in, like, the tasks that I'm doing, and I typically do not do something that's boring for me, right? Like, in school, you are assigned so much busy work, oh my gosh, busy work literally could have been the enemy, oh gosh, I, like, flick, flicking, I hated it, I hated busy work so much, I feel like, I had like a, uh, like, uh, what's the, what's the phrase? A bone to pick? Is that what you call it? I don't know. I had an issue with busy work and I feel like not nearly as many people around me had an issue with busy work, but I'm like, what is the point of this? And guess what? The, the grades that would like be the most difficult for me to receive a, uh, the tasks that would be most difficult for me to get a good grade on were like the busy work assignments where it's like, this is stupid. This is not stimulating for me at all. And so I like would make stupid mistakes. I can remember this happening in Spanish all of the time when it's like, you're just going through like the conjugations of it. And I promise you that I know my conjugations so well, probably bet. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to like bring other people into this. I was going to say better than 90% of the people in the room. That's like egotistical and probably not even true. But all I'm saying is that like, I knew my conjugations and then You know, I end up getting a 70% on the test because I'm like, yeah, I know conjugations. I got this. And I rush through it and I like don't pay enough attention. And it's super difficult because I'm like, no, I know this stuff. I know that I know this stuff. It would happen with me in math too. Like you just know that you know it. So you do it quickly because you want to get on to the next thing in which it will be more stimulating for you. 
and then you end up making like silly mistakes and it like jeopardizes your grade again I'm talking about it in a school setting and this was a hard question for me to answer because right now like I do work at a school but I'm not like being um challenged and like not being assigned busy work of my own right so it's like this is not something that is like really impacting me right now but so I had to think back on school and I had to think back on like what were the classes that I had the most difficulty in like maybe not from a grade standpoint but yes from a grade standpoint at the same time but like the classes that I found myself like so you know what I think I had good grades in them sorry I'm having like an internal dialogue and I'm not expressing it very well all I'm trying to say is that I preferred my like honors and AP classes over my like general education classes because they didn't have as much busy work involved with them and they were like more challenging um and I I'm sure that like yes I still made mistakes in those but like I'm just thinking back as to like how frustrating it would be for me to have to like work on an assignment and know that like this is not helping me get anywhere I'm not engaged in this at all and sure like yeah not being engaged is going to yield silly mistakes and silly mistakes is the story of my life so how often do you make careless mistakes when you have work uh have to work on a boring this is interesting on a boring or difficult project I feel like the more difficult the project is sorry I totally like didn't catch that that second part was there I thought it just said boring difficult if it's a difficult project, I feel like I don't make nearly as many mistakes because I'm so engaged in it. Like, again, like, I love a challenge. If it's a difficult project, the chances of me making a mistake are a lot less, unless it has to do with, like, following instructions. Um, <laughs> don't get me started on, like, labs and science. Blech, those were horrible for me. Um, but, yeah. So, anywho. Uh, yeah, careless mistakes on boring work, absolutely. Careless mistakes on difficult projects, not so much, but either way, speaks speaks to me a lot. Um, number eight, how often do you have difficulty keeping your attention when you are doing boring or repetitive work? Uh, this one's interesting because this is probably, like, in retrospect, I'm looking at what I crossed off on here and I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I do agree with that or not. I think that it's almost like number seven and number eight should be the same question for me. Um, and I'm going to explain why. So I, I think that making careless mistakes is like, uh, that's a reflection of having a difficult time, like maintaining your attention. But at the same time, because it's easy or because it's repetitive, like I, I can just rush through it. And because I'm rushing through it, like I don't need to pay much attention to it. If that makes any sense. Like if it's easy, if it's boring, if it's repetitive, then I'm going to have it done. Like, let, let's, like, just, like, go with um, a worksheet or something like that. I'm, I'm specifically thinking back to, like, my social studies classes. My social studies classes were always, like, way too easy for me. Again, not to be, like, braggadocious or anything, but they were just, like, easy. Because it was just, like, a matter of, like, of, like, given that we're talking about repetition, it's just a matter of being able to, like, restate the facts that you've learned. And, like, basically being able to, like... um carbon copy like something that you've learned like that's kind of what it feels like and so for me I could get through a worksheet in five minutes yes maybe I've made some careless mistakes but I don't necessarily have an issue paying attention other than paying attention to the fact that I'm making mistakes like it's not going to take me a long time to get through the worksheet because I'm not paying attention to the work that I'm doing it's like I just want to get through this as soon as possible that way I can move on to the next thing does that make any sense um so I don't know like if if that does make any sense or not, but for me that makes sense. I'm gonna rest with it. Um, I'm also almost at an hour. 
Um, so kind of trying to speed things up, but again, like if, if this, obviously this won't end on time, that's okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to kind of like move things along. Um, okay. Number nine, how often do you have difficulty concentrating on what people say to you, even when you are, or even when they're speaking to you directly? So this one is a very interesting subject for me. Uh, gosh, I've literally prefaced every single question with that. Sorry. This obviously ADHD is very interesting for me in general. Um, especially because I'm beginning to realize like, "Mm, shit, like ADHD actually might be like a lived experience for me. So anywho, this one has been, um, fascinating though for me because it's one of the few that, well, not one of the few, but one of the ones that I feel like I've been able to pay more attention to and like to be really like realizing, am I having a hard time paying attention to people when they're speaking to me? And here's the thing. So I also really need to difficulty concentrating on what people say to you. So here's the thing. My difficulty concentrating on what people say to me is influenced by a couple of different things. One reason that I have a difficult time paying attention to what people are saying to me, even when they're speaking to me directly, is the fact that I a lot of the time will be very busy trying to not interrupt like the reason that I will have a hard time concentrating on them is because I'm concentrating on not interrupting them so much that I'm not paying enough attention to what they're saying it's frustrating because it's like oh my gosh if I if I you know don't how do I how do I put this it kind of feels like like I could be in a conversation with someone and it's like, okay, if I do interrupt you, then, you know, you're going to think that I'm being rude, so I shouldn't interrupt you. But at least if I interrupt you, like that, for me, that shows that, like I'm paying attention to what you're saying. But a lot of the time, the longer that you go speaking and I haven't been speaking, it means that I'm just thinking about not interrupting you. And it, I don't know if that like thought process makes sense to people. But for me, like that, again, is just like such a common experience that it makes it just makes sense in my head that it's like, okay, trust me, me interrupting you is a good thing. It means that I'm paying attention to what you're saying. If I'm not interrupting you, chances are, well, I don't know, like, I'd probably say that like two out of three times, it probably means that I'm just focusing on not interrupting you, which means that I'm no longer really focusing on what you're saying. And I'm more so focusing on just not interrupting what you're saying, you know? And then the other thing is, um, the stuff going on around us, like in a conversation, if they're <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it is so difficult to have a conversation in a hallway. Like if I have someone that I'm speaking to in a hallway with other people moving around, like I'll want to tune into other conversations or like I'll be seeing someone doing something in the corner of my eye and like want to pay more attention to that. And I feel like that's like probably a pretty shared um, human experience. One thing that's been interesting, just like little side note, one thing that's been interesting about pursuing an ADHD diagnosis is realizing that things that seem normal to me are likely not normal to other people, but we have no, like, honestly, I would make the claim that we have no idea of knowing what percentage of the world is neurodivergent versus, versus what percent is neurotypical. I would argue that there's actually a very large handful of people who are neurodivergent, which means that, like, yes, like, what's normal for me is actually going to be normal for a lot of people, but it doesn't mean that, like, it's the typical thing, right? So that's why it's, like, not called being neurotypical is because, like, if you were to take everyone in the world, like, a majority of people would not witness life this way so therefore yours is the atypical experience theirs is the typical typical experience but so what I'm trying to say is that like it's hard for me to imagine that people don't have that issue in every conversation anyway like I just I can't imagine a world in which every single person um or not every single person well actually no I can it's a lot easier for me to imagine a world in which every single person has 
this shared struggle of like wanting to focus on external stimuli as opposed to like what's right in front of you um also side note even sometimes what's right in front of you like sometimes and please do not be like concerned with this um this happens a lot like with people that I don't know but I'll start like paying attention to their features on their face a little bit too much or like I typically don't like look at what they're wearing but like looking at the features on their face kind of like looking at their hair looking at the way that their lay or their lips are moving um like maybe like I see the way that something is moving and okay sorry I just got interrupted this is gonna be this is interesting I just got interrupted my family wanted to know if I wanted food and obviously like I'm not gonna be like please don't speak to me because I'm recording or whatever like if you're offering me food mm -hmm, I'm gonna take a break from this so anywho I want to be able to go back to exactly what I was saying I'm just thinking to myself like is it not like typical for people to be distracted by like what's going on around them like I feel like humans are easily distracted right like I can't be the only one um so I don't know like it's it's just kind of difficult because the question itself does not like it's not specific it just says you have um difficulty concentrating on what people say to you and for me I would say that I probably doesn't happen a majority of the time um, but it happens frequently enough that, like, I've noticed it, and right now I'm, like, paying extra attention to it, and it's funny because the setting that I'm in right now is literally a school with a bunch of middle schoolers, and as you can imagine, that means just, like, sensory overload all the time, and I feel so bad when I'm not paying, like, a, you know, giving one of my students all of my attention. I feel like that's, like, just the definition of being a teacher is having one person talking to you but knowing that you have to pay attention to 11 different things going on at once um but I don't know I've just kind of been noticing that like for me that is definitely uh like that can be a, an issue is just, just sorry I got distracted I'm started rambling I'll start rambling when I'm not paying enough attention to what I'm saying by the way but I definitely would say that if if you qualify you know getting distracted um if you qualify getting distracted by not <laughs> by thinking about not interrupting someone or by like the external stuff going on which could be people in the background of the conversation background conversations or like the person themselves like if you consider that difficulty concentrating then yes a hundred percent yes um next one is how often do you misplace or have difficulty finding things at home or at work this one is something that when I began to realize that I might have ADHD. I like started it's funny because realizing I did I don't think that I realized it was an issue before. Um I realized that yeah, I misplace my phone all the damn time. Uh, there and it happens at parties most specifically. Um like it's so embarrassing. It is so or like maybe not even parties but like foreign environments or like pretty much if I'm not in my room, not in my car if I'm anywhere that like is not um like a what would you call it like a home base for me then the chances of me losing my stuff are just like astronomical astro astronomically more um and so for me I've kind of realized that uh if if you put me somewhere that I'm not like used to being the chances of me losing my phone frequently are very high but at home, uh, I, I've, and it used to happen to me daily that I'd, like, lose my phone. It was always, like, one of five places, typically, so I wouldn't have it lost for very long because I'd just have to check those five places. If it, if it wasn't one of those five places, I would get very upset. Um, 
but like I said typically it was but I've just like upon realizing that I do find myself misplacing uh like these items often I was like hmm and sub like subconsciously I came up with a solution of I'm just gonna put my phone in the same place every time like it's become like a routine for me so every day I put my phone on the bookshelf outside of my closet when I'm like getting dressed or whatever I can still hear it but I don't have to worry about it getting lost in like my clothes or anything like that I don't have to worry about it getting covered up by something like it's just waiting for me on my shelf same with my keys like I um I have I would say in general, like I've kept my keys in the same place ever since I like got a pair of keys for a car, right? So that hasn't necessarily been a huge issue for me, but we got to take into consideration, let me speak, um, take into consideration, this is embarrassing, we have to take into consideration that there have been like preventative measures taken so that way I'm not losing stuff as often. And so if I'm going to, if I think about it, if I step out of a home base, if I don't have a set routine in a certain environment, the chances of me losing something, my water bottle, the things that I always have on me typically are water bottle, phone, keys. Keys are connected to my wallet, which is great. Um, like the chances of me losing the stuff, uh, it, it's just, a, it goes up a lot when I'm not somewhere that I'm familiar with. And it's definitely, um, like I have like one of those tile trackers on my wallet to help me find it. I've lost it a couple of times and then like very, very concerned. Um, <laughs> I've left it in like stores and on my way out, I'll be like, wait, I need my wallet. And so then I'll have to like go back and retrace my steps and stuff. So yeah, I would say that it definitely happens, but I've managed it um like on a day-to-day basis I feel like I've done a good job at managing it it's when I do something that's kind of like out of the ordinary um and like I haven't built into my routine yet that that will happen more often next okay and this one um oh hold on misplace how often do you misplace or have difficulty finding things at home or at work I feel like I didn't even read that question that's so odd I don't even I feel like I didn't read all the way I feel like I just read what I wanted it to say And I don't even know if I read what it actually does say. Anywho, so question number 11 says, how often are you distracted by activity or noise around you? Um, that is, like, essentially exactly what I was saying with the entire, like, difficulty concentrating when someone is speaking to you directly. Um, I also just want to, like, highlight the fact that this is also true when I am, um talking to someone like a lot of the time I can lose track of my thoughts if there's other stuff going on around me and I'm like it's funny because like I'll stop paying attention to what I'm saying and I'll just start like listening to what's going on around me I've noticed that I'm the type and I feel so bad that I do this but whenever I have to speak to someone in a car uh, especially when like if I'm the driver every single time I'm going to turn the volume down like so that way you practically can't hear the music because I cannot focus if there is music playing while I'm speaking. Oh my gosh, that is like the bane of my existence is being in a room where there's music playing and I have to speak to someone and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I can't even pay attention to what I'm saying to you, you aren't going to be able to pay attention to what I'm saying to me. And it's because I'm I'm like so distracted by the music and again, like being distracted by things going on around me, Um, like, oh, and I feel kind of bad for this, but again, like, oh, I just hope that this is like a shared human experience, but basically like I could be talking to someone and the number of times that I've been like I'm so sorry to interrupt you but like you have to look at what's going on behind you or like I like just saw this or whatever like I do that often and um I try to be like really polite about how I do it but (laughs) like it's almost like I get this like intrusive thought that's like you just saw this uh you know and and instead of um sitting with it because I know like this is what happens right is I either see something happening and I'm like 
I should it kind of like goes back to the entire I don't want to interrupt them right so it's like I become so focused on not interrupting them and telling what them what I was focusing on that I like just completely tune out of the conversation or again like maybe if I interrupt you it's I, I would say that me interrupting you is a good sign because it means that I want to pay attention it just means that I'm telling you like hey hold on I cannot pay attention right now you got to see what I'm seeing please come back and then like I'll, I'll, I'll like try to make like a mental a mental bookmark that way they don't they aren't like oh well I forgot what I was gonna say anyway like I want to try to make it like mutually beneficial I want them to be able to finish their story I want to be able to pay attention so that's kind of like I don't know that's like the way that I've almost adapted is it feels like um so yeah that one uh distracted by activity and noise around me yeah um or lack of like just to say this really quick I'm also like distracted by silence which is super odd but like silence um Silence tends to make me like anxious and restless and so I'm the type of person where it's like I really need background noise. If it's like too uh like too busy of background noise, I can't focus at all. Like I wish that I were one of those people that could read um in a public space. I just can't. I've literally gone to a train station before to read a book, forgot that it was going to be super like noisy, and I was like, "Oh shit, well, I want to read my book here cuz it's so like cute or whatever." Um, and so I ended up putting in my headphones and playing a heater on YouTube in the background. It still didn't like work that that well, but, um, I just tried to like focus on the heater noise over like the other background sounds and background conversations and whatnot. So yeah, like if it's too much going on in the back, then, oh my gosh, there's no chance of me paying attention all the way through. But if it's completely silent, like, oof, damn, that's almost like, that's almost a worst case scenario for you you know what I'm saying um for all of us honestly because I don't want to be anxious about silence so interesting um 12 how often do you leave your seat in meetings or other situations in which you are expected to remain seated I have yet to in my adult life have a meeting uh in which well that's not entirely true I don't think that I have yet to have a meeting but I do not have meetings or situations in which I'm expected to stay sitting for a very long time uh, that does not happen in my life very often that's a very like that question is just not applicable for me um thank goodness because if my life did have meetings where I had to sit still for very long times um I would have a very hard time remaining to seated what wait what did I just say remaining to seated uh <laughs> I would have a really hard time remaining seated so Oh, and hold on, pause, just a flaw in this question, really quick, I just want to say this, it says, how often do you leave your seat? As if it's to say, like, if you are not giving in to that thought of getting up and leaving your seat, then it doesn't count. But I just want to identify this, that, like, in my opinion, if you even have, like, that thought and temptation and, like, feel like you need to get up and, like, not be sitting down anymore, like, I, oh my gosh, when I was a kid, I used to get up out of my seat often. Like, it's funny because, like, I wouldn't just, like, get up and wander around the room. Like, I would find a reason to leave. And I feel like a lot of kids do that where it's, like, you don't have to use the bathroom. But, like, you're going to say that you have to use the bathroom just because you don't want to be sitting down anymore. Or, like, for me, and this is true, kind of. Like, I would use this to my advantage for sure. Definitely milk it. But, like, I used to get headaches in school all the time. And so I would, like, even if it wasn't a bad enough headache to, like, warrant me getting out of class, I'd be, like, oh, I have a headache. i got to go to the nurse. And then you know, I take my time going to the nurse and whatnot, but so, um, it, it, but like in, 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 
like adult situation you know that like that's not socially acceptable to be getting up and like leaving your seat so I wish that this question would say like how often do you leave your seat or have the temptation to leave your seat because that just considers the fact like yes like there is masking that could play into this um and we might be like manipulating our behaviors uh that like we really want to give into but just know that it's not socially acceptable to get up from your seat in the middle of a meeting um so interesting question like I said it's not super applicable to me but if you can put the pieces together then you would definitely realize that like yes that is um definitely like something that I've struggled with thank goodness it's not very relevant in my life right now my mother's texting me give me a second hopefully you didn't hear it going off in the back obviously I don't have any idea um, what you can and cannot hear but give me one second and I'll come right back Okay, anyway, back to what I was saying. So sorry that uh, I had to interrupt my thought process yet again. But I feel like I was coming to a close on the thought of, like, for me, I luckily don't have to remain seated uh, very often. Like, that's just not something... Uh, wanna, oh, hold on, pause really quick. Um, Just want to, like, say this explicitly because I don't think I've had the chance to say this explicitly. I work as a substitute teacher at a middle school. Um, That's the job that I'm working right now. I've been working that, like, job for a couple of months. It is so interesting to be in a school environment in which I, um, like, do am not expected to stay in a seat. Oh, my gosh. Like, praise the good Lord up above that I am in school and do not have to stay seated the entire time. I'm so grateful for that. And I feel like if I did, if I were working a job, it's interesting because if I were working a job in which I had to stay stand standing all the time, like, that would also be difficult for me. So, a job where I'm standing all the time or a job where I'm sitting all the time both of those are very difficult for me I need to be able to change up my perspective I need to be able to go in different places and like feel free to roam and wander but also take a break um so anywho um that would explain why retail didn't work out for me and that would explain why I could never work a nine-to-five job or specifically a desk job so anywho um next we have how often do you feel restless or fidgety this one uh, this one is pretty similar to the, do you often fidget or squirm with your hands or feet when you have to sit down for a long period of time? Uh, but in terms of how often do you feel restless or fidgety? Um, often. Well, <laughs> I said that I wasn't going to give any answers. And honestly, I don't even know if that's what I checked off on this. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, I, I'm not going to say like what I checked off on it, but, um, all I'm trying to say, all I'm trying to say is that yes, like the <laughs> the answer is yes. I am restless. I am fidgety. And it's again, like I don't really want to like go back through like the top, the issues that I've had with my own restlessness and fidgetiness. Um, but yeah, I definitely, that is something that um, is very like uh, applicable for me. And honestly, I'm kind of curious why they don't just have that as one question. Like tell me uh, like, tell me if you disagree, but those seem pretty similar. Honestly, a couple of these could be grouped together, and this is almost like a conversation for another time, because again, this has been so long, but I, I almost feel like I need to talk about the fact that, like, there are definitely some criterion here that I feel like have been excluded that would be very beneficial to include, um, so, but I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not, well, psychologist, psychiatrist, I am not a doctor, I don't have the credentials to be able to, like, be making those calls or not, but maybe the lived experience is, like, valid to some extent, right, so, anywho, um, also, I never, ever, (laughs) wow, I didn't even finish explaining what stage I'm in in like this diagnosis process 
I think I'm going to try to say that at the very end. I just want to like remind myself right now because I just realized that I never explained where I was. I explained the fact that like I took this test with my therapist. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I did not finish what I had to say earlier ever. And like when I say earlier, I mean an hour and 10 minutes ago. So I apologize in advance. Um, no, I apologize uh, late. I'm making a late apology that I did not finish that thought. I'm hoping that I will remember towards the end of this to come back around full circle and finish up that thought. But anywho, sorry that I got sidetracked. I actually do like the way that this has been going though. So I'm kind of chilling with it. Um, how often do you have difficulty unwinding and relaxing when you have time to yourself? Uh, this is really interesting because, gosh, I'm sorry. I keep on saying it's really interesting. But then again, like, this entire subject is just so fascinating to me. And I love, like, I don't know how obvious it is or not. I love talking about ADHD. Whether it's, like, my own experience, like, with this entire diagnosis process. Or whether it's just, like, what I've learned because I have become so, like, knowledgeable about it. I think it's so fascinating. It's so cool. Um, and honestly, like, I think that once I'm done with my, like, ADHD phase or whatever, I'm probably going to have, like, an OCD, bipolar disorder, uh, uh, what's the other one, uh, borderline personality disorder. Like, I have a feeling that I'm going to kind of go through this cycle with, like, a bunch of different illnesses and just want to, like, come, become, um, super knowledgeable about them. Because, like, this is just, it's cool stuff for me. And I like to be able to identify it. Like, that's another thing. Like, it's almost like I'm trying to, like, train myself to become like a a psychologist without actually having to pursue the education for it and like without having like the credentials um but like wanting to just like be aware and be educated I think that that's like super cool and that's one of the cool like things about this entire process is that I have become so educated on it um like I wouldn't go as far as to say that like I'm an expert in the field but like whatever comes before expert in the field that's what I feel like I am at this point so kind of kidding kind of not um anywho how often do you have difficulty unwinding and relaxing when you have time to yourself? Uh, I, as a substitute teacher, find, like, the way that the schedule works typically is that I have, um, I'll typically have about two hours of downtime throughout the day because of, like, the the teacher planning periods, and I'm, because I'm only a substitute, I don't have to take that time to be planning, but what I've started doing, or honestly what I did, like, right from, right off the bat, is at least one of the periods that I had off, if, if it were op- an opportunity, I would go to another classroom and help out. Like, that is how much I had a difficult time, like, figuring out what to do with the downtime that I had. Because, like, again, I don't have to be planning any lessons. If the room is all clean and, like, if everything is in order, like, for the next class or whatever, like, if I'm, I'm good, then I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I try to read a book, but it doesn't feel like I have, like, enough time. I try to get some, like, tasks done, but I don't feel like I'm able to, like, concentrate enough because I just feel um very restless and like I just don't feel like comfortable almost in like the space and so it's super difficult because I feel like most people would be able to use like that hour or two hours of downtime in a very productive way for me I just can't like I just get paralyzed that's the best way to describe it is when I have downtime and this is why I've like grown to have like a strong distaste for weekends is weekends are downtime and as much as you would think that that gives me like time to recharge and everything a lot of the time when I'm trying to rest on the weekends, I feel so frustrated that I'm not doing something because I have ideas in my head of like what I want to be doing. It just, it's so sad. It's so overwhelming. It's so frustrating. And if what I have described is not uh, like the epitome of number 14, wow, my answer for number 14 is interesting. Um, having difficulty unwinding and relaxing when you have time to yourself, like, yes, I do. That's all that there is to it. Um, 
Absolutely. And again, like I literally sacrificed my off time because I'd rather be doing something that's like structured. Like I'd rather, like what I do is I go and I help students with math. Like, oh my gosh, I'd so much rather go and help students with math. Sometimes I'll be so emotionally drained that I just like do not have the capacity to interact with people anymore, which is like difficult because even though I don't have the capacity to interact with people anymore, um, it doesn't mean that like I'm at a point where I can like actually enjoy resting. Uh, so I don't know. That's when it becomes like really tricky, but anywho, like I, I willingly sacrifice an hour of break time in my day because I just don't feel comfortable resting. Um, or like the, another word that they used is yeah. Unwinding or relaxing. So pretty much that's what I'm saying. Um, 15, how often do you find yourself talking too much when you are in social situations? I do not have to answer this question because this entire podcast has been my answer to that question, period. Like, I I have a desire to go on and talk about that, but guess what? If I were to talk about me talking, I would add another hour to this episode. Huh, and I don't think that you guys want that. My voice is, like, starting to give out, so we probably don't need that. Anywho, my answer to question 15 is this. Like, if anyone has... If anyone needs evidence please visit my Chatty Cathy podcast um, because it is right here. The The proof is in the podcast. Yeah. Um, 16. When you're in a conversation, how often do you find yourself finishing the sentences of people that you are talking to before they can finish themselves? Oh, <laughs> just at me next time for real. Like, this is exactly what I do. This is exactly what I do. And it's funny because I think I've always been this way. I didn't realize that I was this way. I feel like I'm fortunate enough. Well, this is a, a this is fortunate and unfortunate the fact that I don't think that people in my life like I think that they just like accept it as normal for me so they don't really call me out for it um it's when I'm like talking with strangers I'm like oh gosh that's kind of embarrassing like I just like a lot and at my work this happens a lot of the time with the teachers like I'll get the chance to see them before they have to leave for the day and they'll like be explaining to me what the lesson plan is and oh my gosh it takes everything in me to not just be like oh so you want me to do this do this do this okay got it good you're like good to leave like I just I like I feel like we let's get this done as quickly and as functionally as possible. And I feel like that's kind of like how I've always internalized it. I've never really realized like, oh, you know what? Like maybe your brain works this way. Like maybe it's not you. Maybe it's your brain. If that makes any sense. Um, I just, okay, sorry. Little side note. I just saw something on Reddit and it said that neurotypicals uh, do like, uh, like identify themselves as their brains. Whereas like neurodivergent people identify their brain and themselves is like different which uh it, if that makes sense to you it makes sense to you if it doesn't make sense to you I'm sorry that makes so much sense to me and I don't know how to explain it other than to say that when I'm talking about myself and when I'm talking about my brain those are two different things obviously most people would think yeah like those are working together for me it kind of feels like myself and my brain um are working against each other and uh like that's like totally like not always against each other but just like are not working in unison if that makes any sense but so my brain is like like I thought it was like a me thing that I'm like oh well I just want to be super functional about like the way that we're using our time whereas now I'm realizing like oh no like that might just be the way that your brain works like maybe your brain just like it's like okay come on let's go like, like let's get on to the next activity like I got it we're I get it we're good like shut up um sorry that that's mean to say but like for real if I could just be like okay shut up I know what you're talking about thank you so much like <laughs> I would say that I am able to deny the temptation to do that but like legitimately damn sometimes I just want to be like okay pause and do not continue because like I know what you're saying I think that sometimes I do that with my friends. Uh, I don't think that I do that with my friends. That'd be a little bit extreme. But all I'm trying to say, 
all I'm trying to say is that, yeah, um, I do that. I do that and I f- uh, feel guilty, but it's nice for me to realize like, you know what, That's that might just be how your brain works. Like, I think that patience is a virtue and I think I'm really patient about like the big things in life, but it's the small things in life. Like, the conversations, or the lines at grocery stores, or even, like, listening to people talk, which, again, last episode, I talked about how I just cannot handle slow talkers. Oh my gosh, give me someone who is explaining a task too much, and give me a slow talker, put them together, and you have the most difficult person for me to engage with. Like, that's literally, like, my kryptonite. Um, that will send me into a uh, spontaneous mental combustion. Anywho, um, next one, 17. How often do you have difficulty waiting your turn in situations when taking or when turn taking is required? I almost feel like that's what I was just describing with like the idea of like waiting in a line at the grocery store. Um, I when I was younger, I I kind of like became adapted to putting myself last uh, and like did not want to appear to be like selfish I guess you could say and so like a lot of the time even now like I intentionally put myself at the end of a line but it doesn't mean that it's not difficult to wait um like when I go to the back of a line it's just like kind of as a sign of like respect and like just like a way that I like to show people that I love them like I'm I think that that's like a really subtle action that I do to kind of show people that like hey like I literally want to put you before me but when it comes to me being around strangers, <laughs> that's, like, totally different. Like, oh, gosh, I don't – it's so embarrassing. Like, I definitely do not operate in society the way that I'm supposed to when it comes to, like, turn-taking or waiting. Um, I think that there's a difference between being functional about it and a difference between, like uh, – it's not even necessarily impatience. It's just, like uh, – I don't know. I, 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 it's like a combination of the two. It's like, I want to be functional and I'm like kind of impatient, but like, I'm not an extreme of either. All I know is that I drive like 15 miles over the, please. Like, I don't know if it's like, uh, I drive about 10, nine miles, you know, wink, wink over the speed limit. Every time that I'm driving, um, like almost all the time when I'm driving, always in the left lane. And it's not like I'm like in a hurry to get anywhere. I just want to get there you know, like, and it's, like, more invigorating, it's more exciting for me, um, it feels like, ooh, this is a big one, it feels like a puzzle, like, sometimes the reason that I have a hard time, like, waiting in a line at a grocery store, or because, uh, or, like, I have a hard time waiting in traffic, or, like, in a specific lane, sometimes the reason that I have a hard time doing that is because my brain just, like, is telling me, like, let's, let's solve this problem, like, it sees it as being a problem, and it wants to get me through it the fastest possible, it's almost as if like I'm playing a video game or something like that and I'm just trying to be the first one to finish like the first one to get to the finish line and so it's not a matter of that's I feel like that's the best way to describe it it's like um, it's like a combination of like wanting to be functional and also like being impatient and I think that like the perfect middle point for that is just like I have this like competition going on in my head where it's like it's me versus all of you other drivers and I'm gonna be the fastest one I'm gonna get there first uh sorry that I (laughs) sorry that that's the way that I work but like that's just how my brain works uh so yeah (laughs) if that gives you my answer to question number 17 how often do you have difficulty waiting your turn in situations when turn taking is required that's that's my answer that's my answer I'm just playing a video game in my head uh you know like then I don't know about you but like I am not trying to be first loser so 
last one. Oh my gosh. I finally am making it to the last one. And we are only an hour and 30 minutes into this episode. So great news. Um, how often do you interrupt others when they are busy? This is probably the one that I feel like applies to me the least. Um, I feel like maybe I've said that about one of these other ones before. But the one that I really do feel like uh, it affects me the least is interrupting other people when they're busy. And the reason for this, I don't think that it can be proven by my brain. I think it can be proven by my emotions and the fact that I do not want to bother you. <laughs> like, I am so concerned about bothering you and being like a disruption to you that I- I'm not going to interrupt you when you're busy because I I just like, it makes me feel so small. If If to get the wrong reaction... It would make me feel so small. Um, and really quick, as like a little side note. Um, oh my goodness. I'm definitely going to have to do like an episode where I talk about, um, the again, like the other criteria that I think should be a part of this. Di- like no, It's not just me. Like most people that I've seen um, online totally agree that like it should be a part of like the diagnostics. But another thing that is very common with ADHD is something called RSD. It's re- rejection sensitivity dysphoria and so basically it's just like you end up being like super sensitive essentially um and for me I feel like that would explain why I don't interrupt people when they're busy is because instead of like interrupting them when they're busy like I my I like from an emotional standpoint I'll recognize oh like they're busy and the last thing that I want to do is get a negative reaction from them because it will make me feel so small make me feel like shit I will want to crawl into a corner and just shrivel up into um ashes like that's (laughs) that's essentially like what doing that would um yield for me and so you know how do you keep yourself from feeling that way you just don't put yourself in situations where you are interrupting people who are busy um I like at work oftentimes I do have to interrupt people when they're busy and oh my gosh I am still working on like finding finding ways to approach it I literally just like approach it as kindly and calmly and like respectfully as possible and even then like I'm super sensitive to even just like the slightest like oh yeah I'm doing something right now so like get back to me later I'm like oh shit I interrupted them like I'm such a fool for even like trying to get their attention right now you know um and like I think that that like those feelings are totally blown out of proportion which is what I'm saying like it's probably not a good thing to be thinking that way and that could be a reflection of this, like, RSD thing, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. So I'll probably talk about that at another time. Um, but, and I'm sorry that I brought up, like, the timing, the timestamps of this podcast so much. It would probably be better if I just wasn't like, oh, I've been talking for an hour and 35 minutes. Like, sorry. You know, like, it would probably be better if I just kept on going. I'm learning as I go. Um, and I'll probably learn to not acknowledge the time so much. But I, I feel like this in and of itself can be a testimony of like what my experience is and that's honestly what that is why I'm doing this I am not gonna say that like I'm doing this only to get to like the bottom of uh what I like think is ADHD but it's a really positive outlet for me honestly like when you hear how much I have to talk about you can only imagine how much I'm thinking in my head right like and I mentioned that last time, um, sorry that I brought that up a bunch too, but I'm just trying to like navigate this for myself. And I've, I've said it before, like, this is for me, this isn't necessarily for anyone else. I want to put it out there because I think it would be cool to share, um, like 
whether it be with like friends or if it could be like something that other people listen to I've noticed that for me navigating this has it's been super beneficial to listen to other people's experiences and I feel like we're just kind of living um in a very like lonely generation right now where people just are kind of like scared to share their experiences with each other and so even if it isn't face-to-face like I want it to be I think it's beneficial to at least like be vulnerable like be being vulnerable and being open and being honest and like sharing the truth of the life that I am living like the things that I am witnessing and like this is for me but I think that there's something very helpful um and like very beautiful about being able to tell your experiences to other people and like just putting that out there like on the table for people to like either pick up or put down um or just like look at from afar I that's like the reason that I think that I do want to share it um like theoretically I could just be like doing these voice recordings and like not posting them anywhere but I really do think that like there could be some benefit to putting it out there so um I don't know like and it it also gives me like more of a drive to do it again like if I'm only doing something for myself the chances of me actually like accomplishing it and like sticking to it I it's, it's just a lot less likely like I need some sort of external pressure and so to invite people into being a part of this it puts more pressure on it so to say um and makes it more likely for me to actually stick with it and I do want to stick with it because like today's the first day that I've done it um like legitimately done it I've been like doing voice memos in my phone for a week um I hope that this isn't just like a hyper fixation I've been thinking about having a podcast for a while now so hopefully it isn't but basically like I don't know I just think that this would be a good way for me to like actually stick with something and it provides a sense of like accountability I guess you could say So, to wrap things up, I have been making sure that, like, I come back to, like, do the full circle thing, and what I'm going to say is that that's the first, this, these questions that I went over, I don't remember if those are on the DSM-5 or not, I know that they are very much so inspired by the DSM-5, I wish that I would have, like, had it more prepared, I'm not going to go back and do this all over again, maybe, like, in the future I'll actually, like, go through what my answers for the DSM test would be, um, the DSM-5 test would be. But for now, I and I will try to like link that resource. I'll try to link the mini ADHD coach in the description down below. But <laughs> I I the reason I started talking about that in the first place was because that's the first test that I did. I did a couple of other online tests and then me and my therapist walked through the DSM-5 test together. I needed her help. Again, it's just because I was like, I don't know if this is masking or not. Let me just tell you my experience and you can like help me determine what the most accurate answer for this would be. And sure enough, we did it. We had a result that said, yes, like I do have ADHD. She labeled it as high functioning. Don't know what that means. I've had a really hard time like figuring out what high functioning um, ADHD is because I just don't really hear that. I don't think that she's probably the most no no offense to her like this is that I don't mean this to sound rude or anything I just know that I have done so much research on this and because she's a therapist like she's expected to be well versed in like certain areas and I just don't think that ADHD is like her forte so to say it's not to say that she's not educated on it it's just to say that like it's like we might have different understandings of what it is and I think that that's like something that's been really difficult with ADHD diagnoses as of recently is that people are begin beginning uh, like especially the people that think that they might have ADHD are becoming more knowledgeable about it than like the professionals right um which sounds like a messed up thing to say but I do think that it might be true um and but anyway so like she's labeled it as high functioning um 
and then also like combined type mostly like predominantly hyperactive but inattentive definitely like I've, I've noticed um oh my gosh <laughs> I'm definitely gonna do an entirely different episode of like what my main symptoms are this was literally me just like going over um the test essentially I'm not trying to make this like a full-blown ADHD podcast that's not what I'm going for but it's definitely like again if this is for me and like my hyperfixation is ADHD right now then like that's okay that's fine that's probably what I'll be talking about until this hyperfixation ends it'll also probably be interrupted by like really sporadic periods of like uh you know being focused on different things that's just how my brain works and like I'm I'm working to be okay with that I know that it's probably chaotic and I know that it's probably not like very structured in that way but you know what? Like, that's just who I am. And that's just the way that we're going to go about it. And I am learning to be okay with that. Um, this in and of itself is my uh, attempt to learn to be okay with that and like to not be super perfectionistic and to just like accept myself as I am and to just be, you know, allowing myself to live <laughs> like as as the person that I've been designed to be without being concerned about again like this term masking or like without manipulating my behaviors to be a certain like a certain way which I am expected to be acting so anywho to finish up that thought my next step because I I thought that I didn't want to get medicated I don't know if I do want to get medicated or not I like have my own internal uh conflict with that I don't care to explain that right now but um I originally told my therapist I was like I don't I don't see myself needing to go down like a, a path with medication but seeing just how much this is affecting my life I'm like hmm I don't know some people say that medication has made a big difference in their lives so um I don't know I'm I like I think the biggest thing is I I want it's it's not so much that I want to be able to get a prescription it's more so that like I need like need 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 the validation of like you are not crazy for thinking that you have ADHD yes like you do and I think that like that's a huge thing that I'm struggling with right now um and I've listened to a couple of different like people's experiences with having ADHD and a lot of them talk about having this imposter syndrome I don't want to label it as that because that's a bit intense but I definitely feel like a fraud like I feel like because what I've always known ADHD to be is so different than like what I'm actually realizing is the case for myself it's made it very difficult to um come to terms with the fact that like like it's very difficult for me to say I have ADHD when I look at my entire life and I look at the way that it coincides with like the diagnostics of it I'm like well duh of course you do like you it wouldn't make sense for you to have anything else like it just makes so much sense but without having a medical diagnosis I don't think that I will ever be able to validate it to myself which is sad and I, I'm, I'm not saying that like I am not I want to like make this clear I am not saying that if you do not have a medical diagnosis of whatever it is that you're experiencing that it is not legitimate I just I think that a lot of people have the tendency of speaking to themselves differently than they would speak to someone else and the way that I'm speaking to myself as compared to someone else is saying you are not valid in saying that you have ADHD unless you have a medical diagnosis from a professional. <sighs> and I would never say that to anyone else. I would only say that to myself. And of course, that means that I um, am not going to see this like ADHD diagnosis from my therapist as being valid unless I go through it with a doctor. So that's the next step. I want to get medically diagnosed. I want to have a 
sit down and chat with like a doctor and just like see what what they see um and if they think that like this is legit I find myself validating or like not validating but I find myself uh noticing more and more areas of my life in which it's been affected uh every day but I think that I just need a professional to actually say yes you do have ADHD and then like that will be the end and then I won't have to feel so bad about being like yeah I have ADHD I have so much more to say about it I'm going to stop talking about it um just because it's my throat is uh, as much as like I've been talking about the time this this entire time like I'm just tired of talking it's been almost two hours I'm so silly um and so sorry like I'm so sorry that I'm so silly I'm sorry but I'm not sorry like I'm trying to I'm trying to work on like not being too um not having too many expectations with this like again like it's just for fun it's just meant to be something for me to do to not be mindlessly scrolling to not be stuck in like this paralysis that I was talking about before like honestly I feel like I've mentioned this this is like something that I'm trying to use as a tool to combat um like and to navigate like this newfound diagnosis so that's why I wanted to start this um episode with talking about ADHD is because I've realized that like this is a likely a part of my life and not only is it likely a part of my life but it is likely like my life as a whole if you think about it like again maybe like neurodivergent see themselves and their brains as being separate but the reality is that you and your brain are like one and the same and so to realize that like my life myself and my brain are all intertwined and connected and to realize that like if I have an ADHD brain that's going to mean that I'm going to be an ADHD person and have an ADHD life because it affects you throughout, like, the, like, it, it just affects you entirely, right? Um, maybe not, like, entirely, entirely, but in very substantial ways that are going to make a difference, um, when you start noticing them and, like, when, when you start acknowledging that, like, this is the truth, this is the reality for real. So, I'm excited to be, like, working on this. This is kind of, like, a coping mechanism for me, um, and I really enjoy it because, obviously, like I was saying, kind of in response to the question that says, huh, do you find yourself talking too much? Like, just, I'll end it there, right? Do you find yourself talking too much? The answer is this. This moment right now. <laughs> I said I was going to speak for an hour. It has been an hour and 45 minutes, and I didn't even know what I wanted to talk about at the beginning of this podcast. That's the story of my life. And you know what? I'm working on being okay with it. Like, it, it, this is a good thing, and we will talk about it more and more in the future, I'm sure. For now, I literally do need to stop or press the stop button. It's so funny. On one of the ADHD podcasts I've been listening to, I'll also, like, link that. It's ADHD AF, ADHD as females. I've noticed that these ladies have a difficult time wrapping up their podcasts, and I absolutely love it because that means that I'm not the only person who has a hard time finishing uh, a conversation, right? Like, we're just going to keep on talking and talking and talking forever unless I finally am able to just hit the stop button. So this has been the ch- uh, Chatty Cathy podcast um, and I'm going to hit the stop button now. So, yep, uh, that was awesome. Really enjoyed myself and I cannot wait to talk again next time. Thank you. Much love and appreciation. Goodbye.